Tonight we're going to start a new series, getting right back into it, called Holy Habits. And uh, we'll be taking a look at um, some habits that if we intentionally cultivate and form, it'll really help us experience more of God and look more like Jesus. Hey, home, homies over the back, are you guys, can you guys oh, yes. grab a seat? Sure. Thank you so much, man. If we, if we come into this tonight and we take this approach where um, we realize that there are some things in our lives that we can cultivate and form that will help us experience more of who God is and look more like Jesus. Man, I want that. I want to experience more of who God is. I am not interested in playing church. I'm not interested in, in just the organized religion for the sake of organized religion. I really want more of God. I want more of God in my life. Like I want to experience more of who God is. And I want my life to look more like he looks. I want it to reflect Jesus to the people around me, like seriously. And so if we really take a look at some of the things that become habits in our lives, uh, I think we can see that happening more and more. So tonight we're talking about the holy habit of prayer. And prayer is something that, uh, it, it's, there, you, there's no way in, in a sermon, there's no way in a sermon series you can unpack all of it or try to give everybody the full scope of what it really looks like to walk through prayer, grow in prayer, what the Bible talks about in prayer. There's so much, it's packed. So I'm gonna do my best tonight just to give it a, a snapshot of what I really believe for right here, right now. God wants to speak to our faith community about the holy habit of prayer. And, um, and I'm going to ask a couple questions because I think I want, to, I want to frame it this way and then I'll tell you really what I want the end of goal, the end goal of tonight to be for you when it comes to prayer. But let me ask a couple questions for you to just self-audit where you're at tonight with prayer. Cool? First question, how's your prayer life? If you were to sit down with me one-on-one and like not a bunch of people and you didn't have to respond, but you were to be really honest with me, we're talking, have a cup of coffee. Um, how's your prayer life? What would your response be? How, how, would you, how would you answer that? Or, or maybe, like, do you even know what that means? Some of you might be sitting here like, prayer life? What the heck are you talking about? Do you even have one? Maybe did you have one? Do you, do you want one? I, I would, I would ex for my own personal life, I, my personal journey with Jesus, most of my history with the world of prayer has been more about prayer moments, less about like a prayer life. And I really see, scripturally, I really see the command and the invitation to a, to a prayer life, not just prayer moments. Now, prayer moments build upon each other, and they can create a prayer life. But I think a lot of us have become content with prayer moments when Jesus is actually inviting us into something so much greater to have an experience with him on a daily basis. Now, here's what blows my mind. The God of the universe, the one that's created you, the one that has given you the very breath in your lungs that sustains you even to this point right here, right now, says, hey, come to me. Have a relationship with me. I want to have a relationship with you, and we get to have communication. We get to have connection with each other. He invites us in to the opportunity through prayer to have this connection and this experience and this encounter with him. That's mind blowing. But for some of us, and for me in different seasons, I've become numb to that reality. Yeah. Like it's just, oh yeah, it's all Christian, that's what we do. No, that's crazy. Like that there really is a God who really created the universe, 
who really knit you together in your mother's womb and knows every single hair on your head and then sent his son Jesus on a rescue mission from heaven because of sin that happened in the Garden of Eden through Adam and Eve and all the way down wrecked mankind to the point where God said, I'm going to send Jesus on a rescue mission from heaven to earth to save my people and make a way where there seems to be no way so that we can be reconciled and redeemed and brought back into a whole relationship that we can experience life and life to the fullest now and in eternity. That God says, come to me, let's have a relationship, and let's talk to each other through prayer. Man, that can't become numb to us. How, how, how can we let that become numb? And yet, I found myself in so many seasons, and maybe even for you tonight, you might feel like, yeah, prayer is really an afterthought. Prayer is something that, that I experience in the moment that happens before I eat my meal. Or when uh, I want to look spiritual you know like there's a group of people that are circling up together before the service starts and i really want to there's a there's a girl in there that i know loves jesus a lot i can tell because her hands are always up in worship <laughs> so whenever they give an opportunity i'm gonna go up there i'm gonna pray so she knows i really love jesus because i'm praying in front of people and that's terrifying so maybe that's your moment of prayer. Maybe it's, it's that, that moment when everything hits the fan, right? When prayer is like, I don't, I, I, there's, I don't have anything I can do. Now, God, please help. You know, I, I don't know if it's Corey Tin Boom. I'm not sure who it was, but I love this, this quote. I'm sure you've heard it before. But a lot of us, like, treat prayer like it's a spare tire. When the, when the tire goes out and we got one in the back, we'll throw it on there. But really, we need to be treating prayer like our steering wheel. But that, for a lot of us, that might be where we are tonight. And let me tell you this. As I explain some of this, like, where we might be, please hear me. This is not like a, a condemnation session, like a guilt session. Like, you should feel bad yeah. as a Christian or somebody. No, heck no. That, if that's even beginning to happen, that's the enemy trying to bring you into a place where you don't hear what God wants to speak to you tonight. Yeah. There is no condemnation. Cody said it, man. Promise promise from, from Romans. There's no condemnation through Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's right. But there's conviction by his Holy Spirit. And my prayer is that this can be a place. No, no, no. It will be a place that when we open the word of God and when the spirit of God is in this place, we can come and will come into a place where the spirit of God can convict our hearts and help reveal us and open us up to the places and spaces that we have closed off to the things of God or to the truth of God or the will of God. Because if it's not, then it can become an unhealthy, toxic environment of a bunch of outside Christianity and not inside transformation. I'm not about that game. There's too many places playing that game. I've played that game before and I'm not about it. So we will be a place where when truth is spoken, my prayer for you is that when you're listening, that little sting happens. You don't go, oh, I'm feeling guilty. No, but that you, you feel convicted by his spirit wanting to say, I got something better for your heart and your life. Prayer. Timothy Keller, absolute baller. If you haven't read any Timothy Keller books, my, my prayer for you is that you would leave the service right now and begin to start reading a Timothy Keller book. But if you have it, for real, get, get some Timothy Keller in you. Uh, there's a book he came out with a couple years ago that literally is titled Prayer. And um, I've been reading through it over the last several months, and it's been life-changing for me. Um, another book I've been reading that has been really, really good, I, Wesley's been reading it, and it's been talking to me about it nonstop, so I finally had to start reading it. But... Um, <laughs> So good, man. Iron sharpens iron, baby. I love it. Uh, but it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. 
right? That's right. John Mark Homer, incredible book. If you if you're a reader or if you're not a reader, become a reader. Start listening, reading, whatever. Two great books: Timothy Keller's Prayer and uh, John Mark Homer's A Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Uh, already have been changing my life so far this year. I'm going to read you some some thoughts from Timothy Keller's book. He says this: Prayer is both conversation and encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. You know, Jesus talks a lot about prayer in the four Gospels. His life models prayer. And um, I think the biggest thing for me tonight, if I'm like, what's one, the, the thing that my prayer is for you, that you take away from this night on prayer, is that you would leave this place with like, <clears throat> a greater hunger and desire to like get alone with God in prayer. Like that's, that's really what it all would boil down to. That you'd leave here tonight going like, I can't wait to get alone with God. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Whatever I gotta do, I'm gonna fight for that moment. I'm gonna fight for that time. I can't wait till I get a moment with, with God and it's, it's a focused, concentrated place where I can talk to him and he can talk to me and I can connect with him. That, that's really what tonight's gonna boil down to. Jesus is the greatest model of it and the greatest example of it in, in the scriptures. And he is for everything, by the way. Like, there's no one on the planet that is a greater, greater example for us in our, in our life than Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate. And I hope that you're continuing to dig into his life through the scriptures because as you do, you will be uh, transformed through the power of his word. Um, one more quote from, from Keller kind of walking through some of Jesus's words through the scriptures. He says this, uh, the, Keller says this of Jesus, the scriptures about prayer. The infallible test of spiritual integrity, Jesus says, is your private prayer life. Jesus Christ taught his disciples to pray. He healed people with prayers. He denounced the corruption of the temple worship, which he said should be a house of prayer. He insisted that some demons could be cast out only through prayer. He prayed often and regularly with fervent cries and tears, Hebrews 5, 7. And sometimes he prayed all night. The Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him as he was praying, Luke 3, 21-22. He was transfigured with the divine glory as he prayed in Luke 9. When he faced his greatest crisis, he did so with prayer. We hear him praying for his disciples in the church on the night before he died, John 17, and then petitioning God in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then finally he died praying. I mean, our Savior's entire life was marked by prayer. And this is something that has been so challenging to me and something exciting to me because I, I think prayer, to, you know, it, it's something that like, you kind of got to like just start where you are. Like you can, you can hear the stuff tonight and be like, man, I've, I've wasted a lot of time. Maybe I've missed a lot of moments. But that's not the right way to think about it. You can start like tonight, yeah. right? You've got, you've, got, you've got tomorrow. You don't have, I can, nothing is guaranteed, right? Like there's nothing guaranteed for us, right? We sometimes think that way, but like you've got tonight and you wake up, you got tomorrow. And that's a great time to start something. Yeah. So let go of what, what yesterday was. Let go of what last year was, last, last decade was. And let, let, listen to what God has right you for right now, for tomorrow, for your life in this world of prayer. But something that gets me so exciting about that, 
for me. And so Jesus, his whole life is marked with prayer. All these different moments, he talks about it. But the things that he keeps coming back to that I, I can't get over throughout the Gospels is that Jesus over and over and over left people and got alone and retreated and got alone with God and prayed. So what is up with that? Like, is Jesus, is God, like, he was in heaven before he came to earth. Like, he, and he was just there, like, 30, 30 years, you know, before he started doing his ministry, did three years of ministry, then he died. Like, it's not that long a life. He was just up there, and he knew he was about to just be back. Like, he's going to see God in, like, pretty soon, and he just saw him, like, eternity before. He just was hanging out for eternity years. <laughs> I mean, you only got 33 years on earth, but, like, home was still committed to getting with the Father alone. What is up with that? So, so for me, I'm like super intrigued by that. What is going on in that moment? What has he got with the Father? That he's like, I gotta come up, yeah, hang out, I'll be back. You guys sit here. I'm gonna go spend some time with my Father. I'm gonna pray. It might be all night, it might be for a little bit, it might be off in the I'm gonna go, what is going on? I want it, I just know I want it. What did he have in that moment with the Father when he was alone praying that I think it's just so it's so intriguing it's so like ah that is what I want in my life I want that connection with my father I want to be in a place where like I can be as busy as life gets busy there can be people texting me up and down the yin yang hey what can we do this can you do this I need this I want this can you be this for this whatever hey cool love y'all I'm gonna pause here I need to go spend some time with the father friend I want that and I love that Jesus modeled it to the point where over 10 different times throughout the four Gospels, we see that moment accounted for where he's like, I got to go. And I think, honestly, I think a lot of us have a problem and a struggle with retreat. Yeah. I think a lot of the, the problem in our lives when it comes to prayer being something that's healthy and a regular, consistent part of our lives is that we just we just suck at retreat. And not just retreat like I'm going to go, I'm going to go do my little retreat. Like my little 24 night, 24 hour overnight thing in Seattle with my journal. Mm, mm, mm. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about that. That's great. If you get a chance to do that, fantastic. I think it's great, and you should get some of those moments as well. I'm talking about like the the, the day by day retreats. Like we retreat when we get away from people. Sometimes, yeah. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm an anti people person. I love being alone. Yeah, you do, but 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 you're not actually alone when you're alone. You still got your phone. You're still doing something that's connecting you to something outside of where you are that's pulling your mind and your heart away from where you are with the Father. So yeah, you might not be around people, but you may not actually be alone with the Father. And I think that there's a war on this idea of our ability to retreat, to get alone, alone. And I want to propose to you tonight that if you want to experience a more intimate and in-depth prayer life with the Father, you have got to get healthier and stronger and more consistent in your ability to get alone. But we, we got to cry of our generation saying, I'm lonely and I'm isolated. But when it comes to our father time, it's absent of being alone and isolated. Jesus retreated. And I want to invite you into that opportunity. And I want you to be thinking about that tonight because I think the Holy Spirit has something for you. I know. I know that the Holy Spirit has something for you in that alone place with the Father if you can learn how to really retreat. Yeah. So what, is that, what does that look like for you? Now, I, I think for me, I mean, I have to figure out some ways 
to silence the noise. I have to figure out. I'm so, my brain has been so hardwired now to some things with my phone, especially that, like this, this book, John Mark Comer book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, has helped me understand and see, like, I'm, I really actually am addicted to my phone. Like, I got people talk about addiction, and I'm not trying to undersell addiction. It's a really big deal. But I've been like, yeah, hey, I'm not addicted. No, I, I've experienced addiction in one way in my life, and it was to, to pornography when I was younger and throughout some of my, my younger adult season. But, but, and by God's grace, man, that is a victory that I'm walking in, and I, I'm continuing to fight that fight. And, I, and I'm passionate about helping young men and young women figure out freedom in that fight because you know what the lie real quick there's a lie that the enemy there's a lie that the enemy wants you to believe that you're never going to experience freedom you will man you can because jesus doesn't do freedom halfway let me tell you something jesus died for you to be free let me tell you something the blood of jesus runs so much deeper than any addiction that you're experiencing than any failure that you've gone through so i'm over christians thinking that i'm never gonna get over this thing this is never gonna i'm always gonna no man the, the jesus that i saw that lived this perfect life and died this brutal death died in a way that was finality it was this finish in Jesus' name. You can and you will, by the blood of Jesus, overcome the addiction that you're wrestling and struggling with. It's possible through him. I am currently addicted to my phone. And to the point where um, like I, if I were to take it away, I would have withdrawals. Like if I were, I mean, think about the last time you got in line at Starbucks, you walked in, because most people don't do that anymore either. You know, you're in your car, you got plenty of phone opportunity there, but you walk in, remember, just take a moment. You walk in, think about the last time you walked into a Starbucks, got in line, and you're like eight people deep, and you're like, oh my gosh, dang it. Should've just gone through the drive-thru. <laughs> but yeah, well. When was the last time you like got in line and you didn't have your phone? And you had to like just stand there. Like watching people, <laughs> listening. Like, or you're like, you don't get that, get those stars in your app. Oh. You have like, we have become so, we have no empty space anymore. I mean, something that John Mark Comer says in this book, I'm not, I'm gonna just paraphrase because I don't have the quote on me right here, but he talks about this idea that so many of us have eliminated all of that space to pray. Because we fill it with the, the moment we're not doing something or the moment something becomes yeah. an ounce boredom, an ounce not appealing, yeah. or we don't want to engage. The moment, it's not even, a, we don't even think about it because it's so second nature now. It's just boom, it's just here. Commercial on TV, I don't care about Fritos. Boom, right here. There's no, there is no space. There's no empty space for your mind to go, oh yeah. My grandma has cancer. I'm going to pray for her right now. Oh, yeah. My friend talked to me last week about struggling with depression. I should pray for him right now. Oh, yeah. God, how are you doing today? Man, I, I miss you. I, I need to spend some time with you. Oh, it's just filled with every single waking second. There's something that's got our attention. And we're giving our attention to it. And we've, we've been robbed or we are robbing ourselves from the space to have moments of prayer in connection with the Father. And then I'm ready. I'm, I'm preaching down the house to myself because I'm, I'm sick and tired of really being sick and tired with this world. And I know God has something more for me and he's got something more for you. And I wonder why we struggle sometimes with, with running on empty. 
Man, I wonder why we struggle sometimes with chronic fatigue on different things where we're just always tired and exhausted. I wonder sometimes why we are, we feel so burnt out. And I mean, there's lots of reasons why you can feel those ways. And I don't want to under, under any of that. Like there's legitimate things. So I'm not trying to take anything away from someone's condition or someone's physical struggle, emotional, mental, whatever. But, but I want to propose to you tonight, I, I wonder how much healthier we could get. How much more awake, how much more alive we would be if we filled more of that space with moments of prayer. Jesus found a way. As busy as he was, people constantly wanting his time and energy and attention. He found a way. With his immediate small circle, with the crowds at large in the thousands, Hey, hold up. I'm going to go get with the ball. I have to. I need to. In his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, or my 5 through 7 in his Sermon on the Mount, famous, most famous sermon Jesus ever gives. And I'm going to just real quickly tonight give you some thoughts on how Jesus models for us this, this idea of prayer. And then I want to wrap up with just you getting with the Father. And I think some of you tonight think the invitation is like, it's almost like a restart. <laughs> Where you get to like, hey, God, I want to respond to your word. I want to respond to what you're saying and you're doing here. And I want to restart with you. And maybe you need to, maybe you need to repent and be like, God, I've been filling all my empty space <clears throat> with things that don't matter. Maybe not even bad things. Listen, like some of you, like it's not a matter of like, it's a bad thing. It's just something that's not fueling you, feeding you, your heart, your soul. Matthew 5, I'm sorry, Matthew 6, 5 through 13. Let me read it. If you want to read along in your Bibles, you can. If you don't have a Bible, be on the screen as well. It says, this, this is Jesus. He's talking about prayer. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues <coughs> and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows, he knows, one more time, your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus shows us two ways not to pray. In the first part, when he talks about praying like the hypocrites, the Gentiles, he kind of starts that out with like, here's how to not do it, because a bunch of people are doing it, not in a great way. But before Jesus shows us um, a model for prayer, like here's the one, two, three step, he really shows us the heart of prayer. And this is something that I want to get you excited about tonight. Because <clears throat> if I can get you excited, if the Spirit of God can get you excited about this, then I think 
the opportunity is endless with where you go in your prayer life. But he shows us, before he shows us the model, he shows us the heart. And this is the heart. That the ultimate reward of prayer is connecting to the heart of the Father. That the big win, that the big, the big like, ah, this is awesome moment. The big, the, the reward of prayer is you having a collision and a connection to the heart of the Father. The goal of prayer is not getting something from God, but getting God himself. Could you imagine if how you pray begin to shift from the specific need itself, which is not a bad thing to pray. God's not saying, like, don't ever... He he gives us specific invitations in scriptures to to ask and make our requests known before him and ask, seek, knock, and all of that. But at the end of the day, if your motive genuinely when you pray was like, God, I just want more of you. And regardless of this outcome, God, the goal is not me getting what I think I want, but it's me getting more of you yourself. That is like the win. Jesus really helps turn something upside down for us. He turns prayer from a burden to a blessing. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to wrap up here in just a minute. The two groups that Jesus identifies, this is just for some of you that want to dig in a little bit deeper here. The two groups that Jesus identifies, uh, that like he says, don't, don't pray like this. He, and he identifies the hypocrites and the Gentiles. Hypocrites, this, this could be you in a, in a different season, or, or you could be a Gentile in a different season. I know I've been both of these in several seasons. Hypocrites, they pray to get what they want. I pray because ah, there's something, that, there's, another, there's an end goal here. I'm trying to work the system here. Gentiles pray with the use of a bunch of unnecessary words. Hypocrites are like, I don't really care about God. It's just like, what can he give me? What can he do for me? Gentiles is God doesn't really care about me. But here's the truth tonight. God is our heavenly father. Our father. A loving heavenly father. Jesus declares your father and our father in his challenge and model of prayer. Because he is your heavenly father. Because you are actually his child. You're adopted into the family of God because of Christ Jesus. And what we're praying to is not an an entity, an organization, or a really old, frustrated, bitter man with a white beard down to his feet. We're not praying to a religion. We're not praying to a concept. We're not praying to a historical figure. We're praying to a real heavenly father who has adopted you and loves you and wants you and has more for you than you're experiencing right now to be connected to him. And the way to be connected through that on a daily basis is prayer. Hypocrites, I don't really care about God. Gentiles, God doesn't really care about me. Here's what a child says. child says, I have everything I need in the Father and nothing to fear from the Father. relationship with the Father.
And we pray not with hopeless desperation, but with hopeful anticipation. And man, that's what I'm excited about for me. Like, I'm excited about, I, I haven't really tapped into that yet, I'll be honest. I've been following Jesus since I was 13 and a half, and a journey. So I'm, I'm 28 now, 15 years-ish of following Jesus. And, and I haven't yet tapped into what I'm talking about tonight like I really want to. And it's that moment, like I mentioned before, that Jesus is like, I'm going to go get with the Father. What was happening there? I'm excited about getting in a moment where I, I get more experiences alone with God, where I'm just like filled up, like nothing else can fill me up. Not finishing episode eight, The Mandalorian, not going through any other place, not any other relationship. Listen to me, some of you are really hoping that you're going to be in a relationship that's going to fulfill you, and it's not. Some of you are really hoping that the job situation that you're in right now shifts and changes and that the new thing that God might bring to you will be better than where you are. It's not going to fill you. It might be good, but it's not going to last forever. Some of you are really hoping even that the suffering or pain that you're walking through will go away. And then when it does, you'll be able to start to experience God. It still won't fill you. Like just keep being connected and knowing the Father in an intimate way. I want that for my life. I want that for your life. So tonight, I want to invite you into restarting that. And what's so beautiful about Jesus is over and over and over flow out the second chances and the opportunities to restart and come back into a place where God's not counting your sins against you. He's not counting your wasted time against you. God's not counting anything against you because of his son, Christ Jesus, and what he did for you on the cross. So it's genuinely like an open invitation tonight. Let's go. Let's restart. I got something more. I love you. Some of you, your relationship with Jesus is broken or you don't have one. So for, before we can really get to the prayer thing, you need to be like, I need Jesus. And I need, I need, I need to receive that love that you're talking about. I need, to, I need my sins wiped clean from, from what he's done for me. Because I, before you can go and have this connection and relationship with him, you need, you need, to, be, you need to be forgiven and receive that forgiveness that Jesus offers. Some of you, that's your category that you're in tonight. Some of you just got a damaged, dry, and distant relationship with the Father. And man, he wants to restore that tonight. So I'm gonna pray for you. Then we're gonna worship and get in God's presence again. And some of you might wanna come up. Some of you wanna stay seated or stand. Whatever you wanna do tonight, I'm gonna let you have that moment with the Lord. But my prayer is leaving tonight you're thinking about, when's the next moment I can get along with the Father? I cannot wait to get along with the Father. So we back in and close your eyes for a moment. If you're here tonight and you're like, I don't know Jesus, or maybe I thought I did, but I really don't. I have a non-existent relationship. There's not one there, and I want one. I want to know him. I want to experience the love that you're talking about, and I want to begin a relationship where I can have that kind of connection of prayer life with the Father. If that's you, God has salvation for you tonight. And he wants to write your name down in the book of life. So I want to pray for you. If that's you, will you let me know if that's you. No one's looking around, but will you raise your hand so I can know if I'm praying for anybody specific tonight? I want Jesus. I don't have a relationship with him. It's not there. Is anybody in here? We'll give you a chance. I see you. Well, Father, thank you for the courage. And God, I pray right now in this moment that even if 
there's more of them, the one hand that was raised uh, publicly, God, if there's anybody in this place that that's where they are, I pray that you would speak to their hearts right here, right now. And that the truth of what you've done for us through Jesus, Lord, would be, would be made so real to them that there's nothing they can do to earn it or deserve it. But God, you give it to us anyway because you love us. Thank you for salvation. We receive it tonight. For, for others in here, you say, oh, my relationship with the Father is damaged, dry, broken. And I just need to walk back into a place and I have connection with him and start a fresh journey of my prayer life. There's something specific you know God is doing in you. I want to just pray for you. And um, give you a chance to respond. So if that's you, can I pray for you? We you raise your hand? I can know who I'm praying for. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get right into this last this last video. I didn't give you guys any direction, so I trust you. Father, thank you for Jesus. God, thank you that tonight we can stand here in this place. We can sit in these seats, and God, your word can convict, but it does not bring condemnation because of Christ Jesus. And God, I, I just, I want so much more of you. desperate for more of who you are. I don't want anything else. God, I'm not interested in cool church culture. God, I'm not interested in being liked by man. Father, I want more of you. God, and I want people to experience more of you. And Lord, tonight, for people that would say, oh, my relationship with the Father has been dry, damaged, or feels broken, I pray that right here and right now, Holy Spirit of God, would you do something fresh in their heart? Would you speak truth that trumps lies? Would your love invade this place like an avalanche? Thank you for inviting us into the opportunity to pray. God, do something that seals what you've started in this place in your name.